back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Green Lantern to my Superman. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing flexible. I feel powerful to do a great many things, depending on what's needed for the situation. Yeah. Which Green Lantern do you feel like you most identify with? Uh, John Stewart. John Stewart. All right, nice. He's the, like the smart Green Lantern. Uh, and joining us today, our Batman, the Dark Knight himself, Brandon, from the Seahawkers podcast. Brandon, how are you doing? Ooh, I feel like I need a, a vocalizer uh, for this to, to really get my, my good Batman voice. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Swear to me. The, yeah. the best the best line in the first movie was when uh, Batman looked was in the he's in the tumbler with uh, Rachel and he's like, It's a psychotropic hallucinogen. It's like how hard was it to say it then that stupid voice? I feel like uh that must have been a lot of practice. You don't think they did that in post? <laughs> That's probably true. It's just ADR. Yeah. There's that was probably so loud inside of that uh that tank that he was driving. All right, so some people, Brandon is here, he's visiting us. And what we've decided to do, this is going to be the uh, second to last, but this is probably going to be the best uh, mock draft that we're going to run. Uh, we're going to take all different roles. Kevin is going to be our director of scouting. He's going to, he's been grinding the tape. I feel like this is the first year where I feel like I have almost grinded half as much tape as Kevin. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like good this at- is the first year I've gotten to talk about half the tape I've grinded. So like, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, because I actually can try to keep up. Um, I'm going to take the role of Pete Carroll. I'm just going to talk about scheme fits and get way too excited about everything. Oh, Brandon, is your shirt off already? Uh, it's been off. <laughs> Brandon is going to be our man with the plan. You're going to be John Schneider, Brandon. How does it feel? I, I think it's good as long as I get to make the final call because I, I feel like when we talked about potentially doing this, I, my condition was based on the how things went for us last time, you just going off and picking dudes uh, before I even had a chance to think about it. Uh, I needed to be the one to make the final call on this one. Yeah, I, I think that's correct. Also, last time I was just like, hey, let's just keep going because I was doing I was, like you couldn't see the screen. Now you can, though. So we got so much more power. All right. So we've gone through the first five picks of the draft. I've assumed that this is the uh, farthest that we could ever potentially trade up so far off the board. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Akuda, Isaiah Simmons and Tristan Wirfs. Um, I guess the Dolphins really wanted an elite offensive tackle to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I can't can't really explain that one, but uh, so so these guys are all just no no brainers. The Seahawks would pick them if they were available, but they're not going to be. So we're gonna go a few more picks, I think, before we uh, we jump in here. I don't think that how what's the farthest you would want to trade up, and and is there anybody you'd want to trade up for? Let's go, uh, Kevin first, then Brandon. Yeah, if I was gonna swap up, I probably want to swap up high teens would be about the most. After that, you're giving up quite a bit to be able to do it. Right. Yeah, I would is... have to be dependent on, I think, which offensive lineman kind of fell into that range. I, I just don't know if there's going to be anybody in the pass rushing uh, mold that the Seahawks are going to be able to trade up for that it would even make sense. Yeah, well, the the elite pass rusher in this draft is Chase Young. He's going second. It's just happening. So the only way to do that would be to go up to two. And then I think every other edge in this draft has some questions either about scheme fit or about uh just like current level of productivity that that would be tough uh kevin what do you think about like the next three edge guys uh chis since you're our director of scouting chisan gross matos and epinesa i would say i feel like the talent level between those three and curtis weaver jonathan grenard and the players that will be available late two and around three isn't that big of a difference so when we're making our selection uh, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I wouldn't want to spend that first round pick when I feel like we could pick up a very similar talent for a lot less draft capital. Okay, so now we're at 15. Uh, the Buccaneers just took DeAndre Swift, which actually kind of makes sense for them. They need a running back pretty bad to go with Tom Brady. Uh, Lamb and Ruggs are off the board. Tua Tagovailoa is taking a spill down the draft board. It's we're at pick 15. He still hasn't been picked. Um, and this is something I wanted to talk about. Do you guys think that there's a Guys with medical concerns. Is this going to be a draft where guys with medical concerns could end up being huge steals? Because no one can do medical medical evaluations right now, right? It's well, we have it's seen kind of, though with Tunga Vailoa that he he did have his medical evaluation at the combine that was positive. That he didn't he even put out a report here recently where uh, things sounded positive with him. So 
I, I don't know with, especially with, with Tua, if that's going to be an issue, but definitely with some of those other guys who would, you know, no, who maybe weren't at the combine, you'd normally have visiting uh, the facility and not being able to make those visits. It could definitely have an impact on them and maybe provide value then in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds where the Seahawks only have one pick. Yeah. We, yeah, we have given up a lot of our late, late picks. We have, right. We have, um, the two seconds, the third, the first, the fourth, and a sixth, correct? Yeah, we gave up the fifth for Dunbar. We gave up the seventh for two Hollister fourths. and a few other things. Yeah, we have the two fourths. Thank you. Because yeah. we have a, 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 say, so Jerry Judy just came off the board. Uh, Kalevian Shassan, Xavier McKinney. Now here's 18. No way Tua is getting past there. Nope, they pick Grant Delpit. I think if Tua is there at 27, we just pick him, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> He's a backup. <laughs> Sure. I think there's a definite strong possibility that we will see players with medicals slide, but for certain teams, they'll just take them straight off the board. It'll be one of those, you know, my guy didn't get to check them out and therefore I'm dropping the value on them a significant amount. I think that's a very likely scenario for those. Cert- oh, Kevin, you just uh, cut off there. Sorry. I just Comcast uh, it all over my, uh, my back. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Uh, just Comcast, so you know, not a sponsor. Tua in a true nightmare scenario went to the Patriots. Wow. <laughs> that is, uh, a, we have now entered the darkest timeline. That is like the worst thing that could have possibly happened. Let me scroll down so you guys can really look at it and enjoy that uh, terrible thing. Uh, Herbert came off the board at 26. So the Seahawks are picking at 27. Okay. Some of the options we have we got J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, the uh, linebackers, Josh Jones, the offensive tackle out of Houston. Gross Matos and Epinesa are both sitting there. Uh, we could pick an interior offensive lineman, Cesar Ruiz, who's, I think, uh, kind of a, a favorite of the Seahawks Nest Discord. <laughs> um, Very much so. All right. Who's catching that? Brandon, just give us our, your initial thought. Is there like one specific guy you really like here? Or is there like a clump of guys and maybe we need to trade back? How are you feeling? Yeah. Well, me being John Schneider, my impulse here is to trade back, especially with love on the board. I'm wondering if there's any quarterback needy teams kind of in that top half of round two uh, who who might be interested in in trading up and, and getting love. Yeah. So if we go back to like 38 and trade with the Panthers or 37 and trade with the Chargers, um, we have to think that is there 10 ish players we would be fine with coming because we or that would be fine with getting right because yes, you're right. A team jumping up here to get a quarterback because like, I could imagine like the Titans picking love and have and sitting him behind uh, Tannehill for two years or, uh, you know, Indianapolis picking him to sit behind Rivers at 34. What so, about Green Bay picking him for the future after Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Royers, yeah. Discount double check could be a- coming a- to an end. Could be coming to an end soon. I don't know. I wish it. It's already come to an end in my mind. I hate Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> as, as Aaron Rodgers hater in chief. Uh, so you want to trade back. All right, let's see what we well, can what get. Do you, what do you think, Kevin? Between I, I see Josh Jones on the board here at tackle. I could see the Seahawks doing that. Uh, guys on the defensive line. Who, who else is available? That uh, that's the top guy available. Are we? Are we uh, Epinesa would probably be the here? top guy available on O line or a D line. D line. Um, I would say we have O line help from Jones or Ruiz could make sense here. Uh, the top guard coming off the board, but that's more of an early round two value. I I would I would agree. There's about. Six to eight people I'd be pretty comfortable getting out of what's left that I value pretty similarly. So I would be in for dealing back. If if Raker was still sitting there or Mims, I might be a little more tempted, but they're not. Yeah, Raker and Mims just came off the board at 24 and 25. Uh, let's go ahead and let's try to let's see what we can get from the uh, Colts to trade back to 34. Now, this is what's really fun. I get to get out my calculator now and try to... <laughs> <laughs> try to do some math to figure out what we can be. So with if we're trading back according to the value chart from 27 to 34, we get about 120 points in value. Um, now, one thing I know about this draft machine we're using is that they hate giving up extra picks. So it's going to be difficult for us to just give Indianapolis to throw in an extra pick. Mm. But what we can do is we can trade up from one... 101 to 75 at the same time as we go down from 27 to 34. Do you guys think that that sounds pretty good? Yeah, I like that idea. 
Yeah, okay. if they'll do it, I would definitely take that. All right, let's see. Oh, and the trade machine broke. So we're not trading. Now we're stuck, or we can start over. <laughs> what do you, which one would you rather do? Uh, we're right, stuck, or we have to start over. That. <laughs> That's it. I think I think starting over seems like the uh, the next best choice. All right, all right. So yeah. let's let's just do this. We'll refresh the page. What happens is like sometimes this stupid browser thing just like. It does, it does what Kevin said. It just glitches out, and then you have to... I'm leaving this in. I don't even care. I want people to know how the bread is made. This is my... Uh, this is my... Uh, they need my, to know all the pain that goes into a live <laughs> mock draft. Yeah, This is what we're doing for you, the consumer. <laughs> okay. Now, here's what's going to be funny, is that now that we redid it, different guys It'll are going to come off the board. Different options. Yeah, there's just going to be like... All of a sudden, it's going to be like, hey, Jedrick Wills is available at 27. So now Brandon, GM Brandon is just going to slam dunk that. But we'll see I'll what happens. I'll go fifth this time. Yeah, a much more reasonable fifth. That's a yeah. more realistic. I don't think there's any way Tua gets past five. Okay, so this time something interesting happened because Tua went earlier, and I think it, the draft board kind of shifted a little bit. Uh, around that you have um you have grant delpit available to you uh kevin director of scouting tell brandon about grant delpit at 27 um grant delpit's gonna get bagged on a little bit he had some injury issues and uh when it comes to tackling he made some financial decisions in the 2019 season we'll just say but he's one of those guys who can play a true center field safety um, if you want to put a guy in single high, he has the athleticism and the instincts to be able to handle it. He's super athletic, and I, I consider him to be an elite level talent at safety. So right. with with Delpit being available, I know a lot of people are talking about going center to to make Brit a potential cap casualty. If Delpit comes on, you're talking about having Delpit and having Diggs. You have Marquise Blair from last year. You have Bradley McDougal. Does McDougal then, do we cut him for cap room and uh, potentially, uh, what does that do for us? Well, yeah, so it, it depends. You can do that. I don't think getting more cap room really helps us right now, though. We pretty much have all our our ducks in a row, right? Plan A is Clowney comes back. Plan <laughs> Plan B is we get Everson Griffin, which we have plenty of cap room to do either either one of those. I think I think we need to cut Britt, but I think the team also feels confident. I'm on BB Carroll. I'm confident on our on roster options that we have in the center of the line right now. If we came out with no interior linemen, I don't think our offensive line would be terrible. We, the other thing in the situation is. Uh, McDougal to be 1.3 million in dead money or 5.4 if we kept him. So you're talking about 4 million million in savings for a guy who could actually be a second box safety if we wanted to use him to, um, cover tight ends, something like that as kind of a big nickel package. Okay. Who's the top offensive lineman available here? Still Josh Jones. Still Josh Jones. Still really good at pass blocking. Yeah. Uh, we would have had to trade up to 14 to get Jedrick Wills, which I think is just a really big reach. I mean, those first three tackles are all really good. Uh, yeah. Will, Wills, Thomas, and Wirfs. And I I know people like Becton. He's really fun to watch on tape, but he scares me. There's so much projection going on there. And I've just, I'd want to see a six foot eight guy like that be, I don't know. I just want to see him do more pass protection in college before I'd feel confident in it. All right. So we're going to try to trade back again, right? You guys are all good with that, or do you want to pick Delpit, Brandon? Well, you and I picked Delpit in our mock uh, a few weeks back, so I, I'm kind of... I'd be tempted to slide back. There's a lot of value sitting on the board still. Yeah. Um, I would be good with coming with Delpit here. I'd be good with running away with Jones here. And, you know, uh, if it breaks, as as Rocky tells us, uh, via Avon Drago, if, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> hey, maybe Delpit will keep sliding. Let's... I say we take the risk. Okay. All right, here we go. Now we're gonna go Colts. We're gonna try that same trade. Uh, I'm gonna go from seventy-five, or I'm from one hundred one to seventy-five, and down from twenty-seven to thirty-four. The Colts are evaluating my offer. Can you? Oh, they denied my trade. Ah. They didn't like it. I don't want to trade with them anyway. Then. Yeah. So, do you want to try another team? You want to see if we can get? Uh, Let's try to trade back within round one. Ooh. Okay. We've got those. Uh, we've got those two 
Um, the second Chiefs? round picks. Uh, let's try and slide back because uh, the Ravens also have two second round picks. And with the value that's dropping, maybe we could move up twice in round two for moving back just the one spot. Or I, the Chiefs might want to move up too because they need secondary help like pretty bad. And like, I'm going to see what the Chiefs, what do the Chiefs have? Do they have extra picks? Uh, they got a little bit. They're a little bit of a hard partner. Oh yeah, they they're they're light, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah, let's look at the Ravens. See if we can just slide back one spot. This is a uh, trading. Gotta gotta look. So you want to move up from like fifty five to fifty nine, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, fifty nine to fifty five, and let's see if we can do sixty four to sixty. Also, just a couple little slides up. I mean, I could have just done sixty four to fifty five. That would uh, that'd be even better. Okay, see if they'll do that. No, they did not. The Ravens are like, I don't think anybody wants to come up and get Grant Delpit. And I think we got to move down farther. We got to go down to like San Diego or the New York Giants. Maybe Gettleman. Here's the thing about Gettleman is he doesn't know how to use a computer, and he has to draft all remote. Because remember, he said that he wanted some computer guys. Remember that? Uh, maybe he meant cyborgs. Um, how would you how do you feel about going back nine spots and getting to come up from 144 to 99 would that interest you guys uh picking up picks in round three is not bad but i feel like that's giving up a lot of capital in round one uh so i guess we'll defer to schneider i can give you my scouting report on the offensive tackles because there's kind of four of them in a cluster right now. Yeah, I, I'd say go ahead and do this. Okay. All right, let's try it. Giants are going to reject us. They don't love us enough. Oh, no, they accept it. All right, good. Here we go. We're back. Sorry, we're back on the board at 36. Um, your boys, Mims, Mims and Rager came off the board. Gross Matos came off the board. Um, guess what? At 36, we can still pick Grant Delpit. And I think I'm going to highly recommend to John Schneider that this might be the point where it's a good idea to do so. Is Jones still there or did Jones go? Uh, oh, Josh Jones. Mm-hmm. Josh Jones went 20. The Giants got him by 27. That's All who they right. came up to get. And Epinesa went right ahead of us. Yeah, 35. So uh, player, interesting players left. Delpit, right. uh, Jonathan Taylor. The two linebackers, Murray and Queen, are still available. Um Antoine Winfield Jr., who's kind of been one of the biggest risers throughout the process, is still there. I think uh, I like the, Delpit over Winfield. I then, agree. Then you got the uh, the two offensive tackles that have kind of been risers. Ezra Cleveland and Austin Jackson have both really kind of come up in this process. Uh, Kevin, what are you, what's your what's your scouting on Ezra and Austin? Uh, Ezra Jackson and Austin, uh, sorry, uh, Austin Jackson and Ezra Cleveland are both really good movers. Um, they have uh really good physical abilities uh austin jackson tends to fight people more to a tie that's a little bit of a concern um when he gets beat to the outside he tends to lunge but the thing i like about both of them is unlike what we're replacing at right tackle uh he's they're both players that can make a read they understand how to hand off stunts they uh you don't see them get fooled very often Hmm. all right all right, John, what are you thinking? Let's do Delpit. Delpit. All right, here we go. So we took Grant Delpit at pick number 36. Safety out of LSU. I think secondary is going to be a real strength for the Seahawks this year. Now, one thing is I'm going to pause the draft. We could think about trading up. So at uh, 44, um, we could come up and get Austin Jackson. We could risk it. We have a pick at 59. Um, so what would you would either you guys what do you guys think about trading up maybe to come get one of these offensive tackles? Is is it that important to you guys, Kevin? I don't, I, I don't think I'm. I, I kind of like having those two picks at the end of the second round. All right. I, I tend to agree. I don't want to give up value. I'd like to see. I'm more interested in seeing what offensive line help falls to us than what offensive line help we can dive up to get. Okay, I can dig it. We'll resume the draft then. The Colts. I mean, if we get like early fifties and one of those good tackles is still sitting there. You know, we can talk again. They both fell off the board in the forties. So, yep. uh, so if Niang's sitting there, I'd still be interested, but otherwise 
Okay, at 59, the top-ranked player on the uh, the predictive board is Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, uh, a, a tank. couple good interior offensive linemen sitting here, Lloyd Cushenberry and Jonah Jackson. Kevin, do you uh, do scouting on these gentlemen? Uh, yeah, Cushenberry is getting a lot of hype as a center. I He has the body type that we like, but I don't necessarily like his um, fit in a blocking scheme. Uh, Jonah Jackson, I think would be a really good fit. He's probably the best interior offensive lineman in the whole draft. He would come in and be a day one starter at guard. Well, you're going to come out for Cesar Ruiz like that. I like it because Cesar Ruiz has, is the uh, favorite of the Seahawks Nets discord. <laughs> He's my top center, but I think Jackson's just a more complete interior line prospect. Yeah. And then, uh, Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire are both sitting here, Kevin. Uh, what's the, what's the kind of the difference between these two guys? Uh, you're talking about the runner versus the pass catcher. Um, both of them are capable in each facet, but Jonathan Taylor has everything you're looking for in a running back as a runner. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is an elite pass catching running back to the point where he can run a wide receiver style route. Okay, and the top tackle available on the board is Lucas Niang. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about him? Uh, Lucas Niang uh, is a tale of two tapes and you have to Frankenstein them together in order to get what you want. In 2018, he was completely healthy and his best value was his ability to move. Um, he could get out on a screen. He could move laterally really well. He had a nice kick step, um, and slide. He, he's a very mobile tackle with good size and length, but then he had a hip injury that nagged him throughout 2019. He ended up having to have surgery on it. And so you saw his technique, like hand placement, that sort of thing, really improve in 2019. But then his move skills were depleted by that hip injury. So if you kind of like squint and look slightly to the left, like through a glass bottle and put the two tapes together, you can see someone who probably is about as good of an offensive line prospect as Josh Jones. But you don't know for sure if the hip's going to fully recover. So... He's a big time boomer bust prospect. You're either getting a round one offensive tackle or a guy who might not play in 2020. And then there's two other guys I think that are pretty interesting here. We got Devon Hamilton, the interior defensive lineman for Ohio State, who I think is a pretty good uh, plug and play player. And then Ashton Davis, the safety from California. We already took a safety, so we're not picking Ashton Davis. But I'm just going to say Ashton Davis is a really good single high prospect and would fit really good in the Seahawks system. Okay. Brandon, you've heard a lot of stuff now. What are your, search your heart, search your feelings. What do you feel? <laughs> well, we haven't gone down yet to see who's available at edge here. At edge, the top edge available is Julian Aquara, the edge from Notre Dame. We also have Josh Uchi, who is a favorite of uh, Seahawks Twitter. Jonathan Greenard from Florida. Uh, Khalid Kareem, also from Notre Dame. Um, let me just say this. Out of these guys, Uchi is the one that doesn't make any sense to me. I played stand-up linebacker his entire career at Michigan and I then all this war is probably a three four outside linebacker as well if we're being honest yeah so then that leaves like Greenard and Kareem yeah, one thing are really going to be there for a little bit longer too yeah they those are guys that I mean the thing is we have a big gap between 64 and 101 where we don't have any picks so like if we want to pick up one of these edge guys we either need to we could we could either safely trade back and pick one around 75, 80, you know, and then kind of have our pick of the ones that fit Greenard, Taylor, Kareem, Zuniga. Or we could wait and hope that someone is sitting there at 101. Those are the those are kind of our options. All right. Okay. okay well, we have our pick of two of the top running backs right now, and then we also have a pick five picks later. So yep. of the if we go offensive lineman and we go running back, it sounds like we could have uh, we, we have some pretty good choices here in terms of interior offensive lineman and getting a, a really solid running back. I think that you'd have a good chance of that happening. If Which we one do we take the chance on first? That's that's the tough one is if we pick running back here, we pick Taylor. I think Taylor's really good. He'll work really good. He's a good Chris Carson replacement, you know, at this point, we have to probably think about our succession plan at running back because I think smart NFL franchises are showing you don't want to give a running back a second contract. It's kind of like a, a death sentence. None of the second contract running back guys are really performing up to the level of those contracts. If we pick a running back here, though, and then Cushenberry, Jackson, and Niang all come off the board, right? Like, I would feel really bad. Is Hennessy still there? 
Hennessy's also there. So they would uh, have to- I think Hennessy's a better center prospect than Cushionberry in our system. So that would be that would mean we'd have to go four for four if we picked the running back to not get an offensive lineman at sixty four. I'm kind of leaning Jonah Jackson if we go alignment at 59. Okay. So the, if we pick the alignment, then we only have two running backs, unless you like Cam Akers. Do you like Cam Akers, uh, Brandon? I, I'm iffy on Cam Akers. I think he's really exciting, but it's also like you don't know if he's going to turn out to be a real NFL player. He was gonna... running behind five blocking dummies at Florida State. And so his tape's a little hard yeah, because he got so some bad running because habits he's, because he, he, uh, they threw a lot of lookout blocks. He's either immediately tackled or, or he's Brandon? running out in the open and not having to worry about breaking any tackles. And so, it, yeah, it's, he's he's a tough guy to watch for me. All right. We got we got to make a choice here. So we have uh, basically two running backs you feel comfortable with and four offensive linemen that are intriguing. I think, I think at this point, uh, like I'm Pete, I'm Pete Carroll, and I would probably be jumping on the table, being like, "Let's draft Jonathan Taylor. He ran a four. What did he run a four three nine at 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 like seven hundred pounds of weight? No, he wasn't that (laughs) he wasn't that heavy, but it was heavy. Five ten two twenty six. Yeah, (laughs) we're picking Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Cushionberry came off the board, and Jackson came off the board, so we can choose Niang or Hennessy. We've kind of heard about all of these guys. Do you? What's your preference? Uh, Let's do. Let's see. You want that right tackle prospect, or do you want the center? It's tough because the Seahawks seem to have more interior linemen guys on roster right now. Let's let's do Niang. All right, Niang is it. So we've picked Lucas Niang. Now our next pick's not uh, is a ways away. So uh, let me just say, didn't we trade up to ninety? Oh wait, we did. We have ninety nine. Yeah. We have a picket. We have 99 and 101. We'll have two like back to back picks again. That'll be fun. Um, we want to probably think about run uh, wide receiver there. Um, if an edge player falls, I think that's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biotish is a center that might be interesting if we want to really give an injection of talent to that O line. You guys really want to get rid of Justin Britt. <laughs> No, I don't, I, I don't want to get rid of him. I just also don't want to pay him uh, $9 million. Okay. Uh, we almost got Grenard there. That was a, uh, that was a heartbreaker. He went one pick in front of us. Maybe we should have paused and traded up. Claypool went like three picks, four or five picks in front of us. And it was the Pats yeah. that got him. Yeah, the, the hated Patriots. At least they don't have Tua in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> the nightmare isn't real. Okay, uh, top player available according to the predicted board is Bryson Hopkins, the tight end for Purdue. Um, Kevin, why should we not pick him? Uh, we shouldn't pick him because his hands are kind of iffy, Okay, uh, which is always really rough when you're – and also he blocks like a big wide receiver. The top edge players available are Khalid Kareem, Jabari Zaniga, Bradley Ane. Uh, Kenny Willikies, Alex Highsmith. Um, which of these guys stand out to you from a sc- scouting perspective, Kevin? Uh, I would stand on the table for Khalid Kareem. I think right. that he is of a talent level that is similar to uh, the Grenard and Taylor uh, level. I think he can come in and immediately play against the run. He's got the length that the team looks for, 34 and 3 eighths inch arms. Nice. Uh, when you look at him on tape, he's a guy who uh, has speed and quickness. He's not super bendy, but, you know, neither was Frank Clark, and he worked as a pass rusher in our system. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I'm, so when you do that, when we talk about arm length, because it happens, because we're Seahawks fans and it's the Seahawks podcast, because uh, the Seahawks just care so much about like weird things like that arm length, height, uh, the, the, uh, 10 yard, 10 yard split of your 40 yard dash. Who cares about the whole 40 yard dash? They just want, yeah, the what's, 10 what's yard your split. three cone as a pass rusher? It better be under seven, two, zero. Yeah. So, um, all right, John Schneider, what are you thinking? What, what positions do you want to look at? Let's go Kareem here, but I am watching Jefferson, uh, with, with him on the board still and the Patriots picking next. I'm kind of curious if they're going to go wide receiver, if he'll, if he'll take them nope. off the board. I, I kind of like the, the Patriots idea. picked Ben Barch, the offensive tackle. So we have, we have wide receivers. We could pick Brian Edwards, Van Jefferson, KJ Hill, uh, Lynn Bowden. Didn't he play quarterback last year? He did. <laughs> I'm just, I just wanted to say that. I just wanted uh, to and, the Antoine Randall L of this draft, Lynn Bowden. Uh, 
Courtney Davis. So, uh, what you like Van Jefferson, Brandon? What do you like about Van Jefferson? I, I, I'm looking for a guy who has good hands. Who's, who's the best hands out of this group, Kevin? Uh, I might go with KJ Hill is the best hands, but he's also a pure slot guy. Van Jefferson has very good hands, buttery, smooth route runner. Yeah. I like, I like, I I kind of like Van Jefferson too. When you mentioned him, I got kind of excited because he's a, he's a player that I've, I've kind of been touting a little bit in the, in the discord. And I think that just he, he would fit in right away as a kind of a, no, they're just potential option for Russell Wilson runs good routes. Uh, he played on Florida. So like, you, you know, there's some questionable quarterback play sometime this last year, but Plus, we can't makes... wait till round four to take a receiver. That would, that's a bad, bad juju. Also our round four receiver track record. Not great. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Brian Edwards is an interesting guy. Cause he's one that might drop for uh, medicals and he didn't work out at the combine. So he's one to keep your eye on who might go later than he should. Okay. And what, what, what's his like tape look like? Is he, uh, is he pretty solid? Uh, Brian Edwards has really interesting tape. He has a good release. He's really physical. He uses his body really well to shield the ball from the defender. Um, he has nice balance and body control. He has enough speed to get a step. Okay. Um, there's some weird concentration drops um, on certain things, or I should maybe not drops, but there's catches I would have liked to see him make. And uh, his separation, like he can get, certain separation on certain routes but not others it's a little bit of a mystery on that one it's kind of weird all right brandon do you want to take uh one of these wide receivers you want to take a peek at another position uh let's see where we're at did we go did we take an interior lineman no we have taken uh niang as offensive tackle that's an interior offensive lineman uh the highest rated one left is uh, natan muti we also have logan stenberg and tyler bidaz that are sitting there nick nick harris as well um, those are all Solomon pretty, kindly Solomon kindly. There's a lot of actually pretty decent interior offensive linemen here. Ben Bredesen's pretty good too. I like a lot of these guys. I do um, like Muti, Muti, Muti is like an interesting case study because like he got hurt a million times, but the, the tape is as good as any off interior offensive lineman in this whole draft, but it's just so, so infrequent. CJ pro size levels of injured. Yeah, I think that's just a total stay away. There will be teams that just don't draft him at all, take him completely off the board because of the injuries. I'm going to say, yeah. let's go with Jefferson. Let's go with Jefferson, all right. I like that because we already took our injury risk on Niang, and doing that twice, I would really, like a double whiff on O-line help there would really hurt. All right, let's see if any of these interior offensive linemen last to our next pick, which is at 140 because we traded out at 133, right? That was the one that we traded up to get to 99. Right. I thought we traded 144 up to 99 because we were coming so far back. You're right. We we do have 133 still. If Biotish is there, I think that's a that's a snap keep. Nope he he uh, fell off the board. The uh, top interior offensive linemen left are Solomon Kinley and uh, John Simpson. Do you uh, have anything to say about those guys? Uh, Solomon Kindly. Uh, so. I still need to do my final tape crunch on the interior offensive line. Kindly's a very large individual. Um, he excels at being a giant human. He's 6'3", 337. Um, he's a road grader in the run game. He's everything that you think of when you think about like an SEC interior lineman. John Simpson's a little bit... Um, he, he has a tackle body. Uh, he's 6'4", 321. He has 34-inch arms. Um, body style-wise, he'll remind you a little bit of Fluker. Uh, but he just doesn't have the movement to be able to handle being outside. That's why they have him at guard. I think it's an interesting one. Uh, how about tackles? Are there any tackles that would be conversions? Mm-hmm. Jack Driscoll, maybe? No. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's too early for Jack Driscoll. Ooh, there's two still here. Yeah, as I say, there's here. there's two interior defensive linemen that are Kevin favorites, and Brandon perked up too. He saw him. Like <laughs> yeah. Foto and Jason Strobridge are both sitting here. At I would be happy with either of those. Yeah. What's the uh, Strawbridge is more of a three tech uh, who could actually flex out to like base defensive end. Um, he's played on the edge and he's played inside a little bit. Uh, scheme wise, he's a really good fit for our system. Um, he's inconsistent win skills, but like the physical tools are all things that we like. Uh, the trench explosion formula that the Seahawks front office enjoys. He has pretty good measures on that. Um, think about like a Quentin Jefferson type. If you're talking about him, Lucky Fotu, on the other hand, is uh, you turn on the tape 
and you don't have to go which one's Fotu. You just go, which one of these guys looks like Godzilla? And that one is Lucky Fotu. Uh, he is, he's huge and um, very, very raw. He was asked to do things that weren't necessarily his strength uh, in college. He's a guy who's flashed every single thing that you want to see from an interior defensive lineman, but has done none of it consistently. I think I'm All liking right, Strowbridge you. here. Strowbridge, I, I dig it. I think it's an awesome pick. Okay, uh, Strowbridge it is. Man, this is a great, this shaping up to be a great draft. Just to review, we got Delpit at safety, Jonathan Taylor at running back, Niang, the offensive tackle, Kareem, the edge, Van Jefferson, the wide receiver, Jason Strowbridge, the interior defensive lineman. And um, yeah, I can't really complain. This is uh, going quite well for the Seattle Seahawks, for the home, for the home team. <laughs> Still like got two say. picks left? I think we have one. It's an end of round six because we, we, uh... we gave up our fifth round pick in the trade to get. Um, yep. So all we have left is 214. Quentin Dunbar, yeah. So we have ways to go. Speak, speaking of our fifth round pick, Quentin Dunbar, Brandon, what, what have you thought so far? I've, I'm sure you've watched a few of his plays now and looked at his pro football focus page. How do you, what are your feelings about that trade? Yeah, well, I think we've all heard about his pro football focus page. Um, yeah, I'm actually, you know, um, I, I'm, I have a plan to talk to, um, oh. Samuel Gold? Yes, Samuel Gold's coming on field goals here on Sunday, so that should be out on Monday, and we're, yeah. we're going to talk some Quentin Dunbar. Samuel Gold's the good guy to ask about that because yeah. he is a Seahawks analyst that is a Redskins fan. It's like the perfect, it's, it's like the, the perfect, perfect guy storm. to talk to. Yeah, it's the perfect storm of guy to be talking about Quentin Dunbar. I love the trade. I think it's a really, uh, really good uh, move. All right, we're at two fourteen now. We've made it to our last pick. Uh, the predictive board has just is just littered with wide receivers at the top of it. Just so many wide receivers. Uh, so this is kind of your chance, I think, to just get on a get on a corner. Who's your favorite like late round guy that might be here? I'm clicking through all the positions. It's a it's slim pickings. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, flip over to corner. See who's who they have down as top guys for corner right now. Uh, we got Labert Hill, Grayland Arnold, Jaron Bryant. Um, I will say Lavert Hill is a textbook uh, nickel corner for uh, Schneider. Mm. Like I think PFF's comp for him is Justin Coleman. I think um, safety is so. pretty pretty barren. Linebacker. Uh, if we're going outside corner, it'd probably be Kendall Vildor if he's still there out of uh, uh, he, Georgia he Southern. Has, he has Georgia Southern Kendall Vildor. He has the requisite length. His arms are long. I looked that up the other day. Yeah, he has pretty interesting tape. It's just a little inconsistent. Usually, I at this point in the drafts when I do these mocks, I pick a running back here, but I already have John, Jonathan Taylor, so I don't need to do that. Because yeah. usually, I'm like in love with JJ Taylor, the running back from Arizona, mostly because he's five foot five. It just makes my day every time I I'm feeling down. I can flip on his tape and be like, here is a five foot five guy that can do almost anything. <laughs> anything is possible. Uh, let's let's look at the edge guys who are left. Okay, we got Trevon Hill. It's actually not that bad, actually. Uh, Mike Dana, Olu Olule Bektu Jr. from Illinois. Kevin, you know these guys better than oh, I yeah, do. Yeah, the Illinois guy. Uh, there's a couple guys that are kind of projection based off of measurables, but they're here because they haven't actually produced at all. Um, like James Smith Williams out of NC State's a perfect example. He's a guy who went to the combine and put up absolutely freakish numbers um, at 6'4", 265. He ran a 4'6", 40. Um, he jumped 32 inches in the vertical, 123 inches in the broad. Uh, it, like, There's some guys here with measurables, but it's a lot of projection. Uh, what about interior offensive line? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gage Cervenka, uh, Ty- Tyree Phillips, Kevin Dotson. I don't even know who any of these people are. Kevin, uh, Kevin Dawson, the right guard out of uh, Louisiana, Louisiana, is a road grader. He'd be a really interesting one. Uh, Tyree Phillips is a tackle conversion. Keith Ismail is a center. Um, successful run blocker. Those are the guys standing out to me there. Anybody at tackle we could look at a conversion on? Um, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Heck, uh, John Runyon, Alex Taylor. Uh, let's see. John Runyon's a guy who could 
John, okay, Alex Taylor is um, a really big time developmental talent. So I, uh, he played for a smaller school, he was South Carolina State. Um, but when you put on his tape against uh, like South Florida, which is a legitimately decent defense, it's coached by Charlie Strong, the former uh, uh, Texas uh, University of Texas head coach, and he's a guy who uh, he's six eight. He's got thirty six inch arms. Um, he moves really well. Uh, he's quick. He just doesn't have a lot of reps. He'd be a guy I'd be interested in as possible developmental tackle, kind of double down on that position and have a good chance of coming away with at least one body. Kevin, what about Charlie uh, Heck with the the name recognition though? Andy Heck's son. What about Dustin Dustin's favorite, Adrian McGee? Uh, no comment. I only talk about uh, NFL prospects. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Brandon, what do you think? Okay, I'm I'm liking Alex Taylor, Charlie Heck. And then at uh, Edge, uh, the the guy from Illinois, Betaku. All right, make it. You're the, it's your it's your call, man. I'm I'm down with any of them. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and a, I'm gonna put a hard counter on Charlie Heck. Um, I just don't think he has the requisite uh like anchor and strength to handle inside, and he's not fast enough to play outside. I think he's kind of a tweener guard tackle. Mm. All right. Let's go with Alex Taylor. All right, there we go. So we've finished our draft now. We just get to wait. Maybe the Seahawks would trade a a seventh-round pick from next year to get a seventh-round pick this year, like they did with... uh, An Ursua pick? Ursua this year. Um, I'll just say this. The wide receivers that are available at the end of this draft are always... There's always four or five guys I think are actually interesting, and that kind of, I think, speaks to the fact that this is a crazy deep wide receiver draft. The Seahawks... don't draft wide receiver in this draft. I'll be a little sad because it is so insanely deep top to bottom. It's going to be like that uh, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham draft where there's guys sliding down the board that are really, really good football players because the the depth at the position is so good. And we got one of those guys, Van Jefferson, who could be an NFL contributor right away at 101. So, all right. How do you guys feel? Feel good about our draft? Do you feel like this is a Seahawks draft that people would be excited about? I feel like there would have been, if, if this were an actual draft, I, I think uh, me and the John Schneider role, I would have wanted to compile more picks, but I know there is some limitation with the software. So um, that I guess that's where my biggest disappointment is coming away with just, you know, seven guys. I think Ben Baldwin is just killing us on Twitter right now for drafting a running back. <laughs> That's, 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 that's what I think. You know, uh, people might be frustrated hearing it's a running back in the second round, but the fact of the matter is with two second round picks, if you get somebody who's that talented, who falls that far, I think it's worthwhile. If we go running back 27th overall, I'm going to be frustrated. That's locking up two first round picks in three years at running back. But we're looking at a running back in the second round. We have Carson, who's going to be on his way out. Um, probably getting a third round comp pick for him when he signs elsewhere, if he can stay healthy and stop fumbling every game. Yeah. The, the thing for me is that Jonathan Taylor, so pro football focus does the, their projections formula, you know, and it has like a cheeky name, like hands, or I don't know what it actually is, you know, but it's some name like that. And it's basically how they project how successful running backs will be in the NFL They've been doing it for a really long time. It's not pro football focus. Sorry. It's football outsiders. Hmm. And Jonathan Taylor got their highest score of all time. There's something to be said there. I mean, yes, maybe it's, it's maybe he's, uh, he hasn't had a lot of work in the passing game or he's not going to be a great blocker right away. But in terms of running the football, there's been very few prospects that I think can kind of live up to this level. And Jonathan Taylor should be able to have an impact on a football field. I mean, what does this say, though, about just how the the running back position has changed over the years? Because where would a guy like Jonathan Jonathan Taylor have gone uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Well, you don't have to look back that far. Leonard Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, I think, is the the draft comp, right? It's it's not um, he would have gone around that area. So Leonard Fournette went eighth, I think, to Jacksonville that year. Right. Or was it sixth? I don't know. Either way. Yeah, he'd be going. Much like the rent, it was too damn high. (laughs) It it's, but I mean, like I said, you don't want to give running back second contracts, so you're basically signing a guy to play for you. You're drafting guy to play for you for five years, and that's it. 
you don't you don't want to franchise them. You don't want to give them a, another contract that's just too hard on your cap. Leonard Fournette so, was the fourth pick overall in 2017, oh my, and so oh that was gosh. that that wasn't all that long ago. We'll call that's, that a statistical outlier. <laughs> you uh, you don't like you don't like uh, Lenny Fournette. Um, my Leonard Fournette takes are established. We'll we'll say that. <laughs> I like, can we call him Lenny though? Uh, how about just Len? Len 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 Forn. Just to yeah. cut 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 all kinds of parts of his name off. Either that or it's Lenny four. Um, Lenny's one through three just couldn't hang. Pretty much. He was, oh, yeah. and he was the fourth overall, overall pick. He Lenny four. Even, he didn't even run in the four fours. Uh, yeah. Nope. Have you seen him? He's very large. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you know that. Jonathan yeah, Taylor's two, really two large too, and you're in a four three nine. Jonathan. I mean, I don't know. That's um. Jonathan Taylor something is to be excited about with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I think there's a reason that I I want us to pick him even if it's kind of a, a bad pick. Okay. Um, let me get, let me do the, uh, the, the moneymaker uh, segment here, but, but first, before I do it, I'm going to give Brandon a chance. You already gave a teaser. You're going to have, uh, you're going to have Samuel gold on, on field goals. Do you have anything else coming up this week, uh, on your podcasts? Oh gosh. Uh, trying to work a few different things. I, I don't have anything solid yet. I, I think the, uh, the only thing for sure is that Sam and I are set to talk tomorrow. All right, sweet. And then, uh, yeah, you're like, I like you, you because you're like me where you're enough of a psychopath about this to keep making content throughout the, the whole off season. Basically <laughs> you never stop really. Yeah. And, well, uh, and Adam and I have been pretty good about, uh, recording on Wednesdays now. So we'll have a, an episode of the Seahawkers podcast out on Thursday. I'm sure. Nice. Very good. And then, um, yeah, so now let me do my my thing and the money's on because I have like a, a script that I do. All right, here we go. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, but the best way to do so is head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, join the Patreon, get our betting picks when football comes back this season, and also get, um, uh, wait, was there anything else? No, that's it, right? Betting picks, podcast. Uh, uh, access podcast. to scouting reports oh. as we head up to the Kevin, draft. Kevin's been get posting on that scouting. Discord. Kevin's been posting his scouting reports in the Discord. That's true. I didn't think about that. And uh, yeah, that's it. So um, uh, then Movie Club. All right. So Brendan, I don't know if you've been listening lately, but in in honor of everyone being stuck inside, we've been giving uh, streaming suggestions. So like our favorite things from streaming services and not spoiling them mm. so that people can actually have a chance to watch it because I think everyone's in the mood to binge right now. Yeah, uh, everyone's in the in a mode where they. So since I'm putting you on the spot, I'll let Kevin go first. Uh, give you a second to think about it. Uh, Kevin, what what's your uh, what's your binge worthy pick for today? Oh my goodness, I gotta think about that real quick. Uh, do you have yours real quick before? Oh, all right, I get to go first. I'm, I'm gonna push defer. You push. You defer to the second half. Uh, I, yeah, that's a real billet. That's a real check move, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna trust my defense on this one. So, so um, okay. I'm going to, hmm, this is tough because I, the, the show I've been watching, I don't actually like that much. <laughs> uh, so I've been watching uh, Hunters. Have you guys watched Hunters? No. Uh, no, that's one that I've been meaning to get to. Okay. I like, there's aspects of it I really like and aspects of it I really don't. And I, I think the thing for me is, is I'm, I'm always thinking like pick a lane, Hunters. It, it can't decide what it wants to be. Like it's like all these different kind of genres are kind of smashing together. And I like, just want it to pick, like, are you a kind of a wacky show? Are you a serious drama? Are you an action show? Like just be something instead of trying to be everything. It's driving me kind of insane. Um, so that that's like the show I've, I've been watching lately. Um, but let's see on Amazon prime, I'm going to do an, an Amazon prime suggestion. Let's go with uh, The Descent. If you haven't seen The Descent yet, I think it's one of my probably 10 favorite horror movies of all time, maybe even top five. Uh, it's an, on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's got true scenes of, uh, of real suspense and action. Neil Marshall, I think, did a really good job with it. The same director that brought us uh, the new really uh, crappy Hellboy, right? And then also, <laughs> but also the uh, underrated Dog Soldiers. <laughs> so, so, you know. Uh, Neil Marshall giveth and Neil Marshall taketh. That's that's how he does it. Uh, the Descent 2 is also on Prime Video, which I think is also a very worthwhile uh, use of your time. All right, now I'm going to give it up to whoever's ready. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to jump right, in. But uh, 
Mine, and I might be breaking the rules here, but uh, mine necessarily isn't necessarily a streaming service one. But uh, if you aren't watching Lego Masters on Fox, uh, that is oh, yeah. that is a show to watch, and it's good for the whole family. Uh, we've we've been dialed into that. There's still two episodes left, so you can catch up in time for the last couple here. I think April fifteenth is the finale, so that would be my recommendation. I just watched onward tonight on disney plus and uh no spoilers but uh just prepare to be sad for 90 minutes yeah uh lego masters is on hulu uh so because ah, it's there fox we go. that counts so, yeah you that can counts watch, as, you watch, as, and as i well. have i've watched lego some lego masters with Will Arnett, and that show is it's crazy like i cannot believe the stuff people are making out of out of legos and then they have yeah, cool guests scratch. on it like i yeah. need instructions to build <laughs> <laughs> these people are like lego they're lego masters i guess it's in the name of the show huh <laughs> well, Brandon's sitting there like i built a double-decker couch <laughs> i every time i get legos i'm like i built a house because i make like a square you know like everyone else does yep. <laughs> no windows exactly <laughs> i made a prison oh <laughs> all right all Kevin. right so it sounds like we have disney plus hulu and prime covered so i'll go ahead and go with netflix so we're well-rounded get your full streaming diet on uh, so a little martial arts classic, the 36th chamber of Shaolin is, uh, streaming on Netflix currently. Um, this is a very, very solid piece of seventies, Hong Kong martial arts movie, uh, magic. So if you've liked the, the many, many martial arts movies that Nathan and I have suggested over the years, uh, this is another really good one and you can check it out if you have Netflix. And also if you like, if you like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, this is this is where the name came from. All right, enter the, enter the 36th Chamber. We got the 36th Chamber, and then they have returned to the 36th Chamber, too, which is um, a little goofier. A very the, different movie. It's not like but, it's not like the first one, but it's still it's fun in a different way. Yes, um, it's it's good in a different way. But I do think you need to watch the first one before you watch the second one or you won't quite get what it's doing. All right. Uh, anything else before we go? No, we're good. All right. We're for Ke- for Kevin, for Brandon, we will uh, see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Good times, bro. No, I ain't got nothing but a bag of green today.